My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. We make hmm sounds back and forth. He gives me giraffe kisses. We hold hands and face each other, and she kisses my forehead or pulls my thighs up onto her waist. He absentmindedly trails his fingers along my skin. I love it when they smell my hair. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. The phrases I just read appeared in an Ask Women Reddit thread answering the prompt, what is something your significant other does while cuddling that you really like? I don't know about you all, but it seems to me that sex gets a lot more attention than cuddling. And sex definitely shouldn't be the only time or way we get to enjoy touch, whether it's romantic or platonic. Today, we're going to chat about cuddling with two fantastic experts. First, though, to set the tone, here's a special message and invitation from Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com. Well, there's so much to say. I'm thrilled about today's episode, which is about cuddling, because, you know, there's nothing about inviting that physical connection, that touch that's focusing on pleasure, that, you know, listen, may or may not lead to something more explicitly sexual, but that in and of itself, touch the cuddling not only feels amazing, but has significant health benefits. We certainly know about sort of the release of oxytocin um, and the effects that that has on, you know, decreasing stress and also increasing um, connections. We sort of refer to it as the cuddle and or attachment hormone. So listen, I think that I'm thrilled to hear more. And I also wanted to say that you know, touch and connection and how to uh, maximize pleasure in your relationship and in your life is something that is absolutely um, what we will be covering in my upcoming five-week course called Thrive because I really want everyone who's listening in the Girl Boner community to recognize that uh, there actually is not only data from the ladies in neuroscience, but also evidence-based practices that you can put into practice in your own life, especially through um, the guidance in a community. And this is going to be small communities. There's not going to be more than eight people in any one group so that you can be in the journey together to embark on sort of these exercises that I'm going to be giving you week to week that will basically enhance your skills and ability to thrive and invite more connection and touch and pleasure into your bodies and into your lives. So my tip for today in terms of inviting more physical infection to your relationship is to start by asking, is it a good time? Because I can't tell you how many times I hear that 
um, when you are sort of most interested in cuddling, snuggling, uh, getting close to your partner, you know, the reality is they might be already into something or absorbed in something or, uh, you know, they have a deadline. And so I think it always starts by sort of saying, hey, is it a good time? And then sharing your intention, right? I really want to, I would love to give you a massage. I would love to cuddle. I would love to give you pleasure. Start with your intention and asking when's a good time. So that's my tip and looking forward to today's episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Before we fully dive in, a quick reminder to sign up for occasional Girl Boner Extras by email at augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. About once a month, I send updates featuring news about upcoming events, episode extras, special discounts, lessons I'm learning along the way, and more. You can also order my books, Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, and Girl Boner Journal on Amazon and most anywhere books are sold. If you do, I would love to hear what you think by way of a review. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome my fantastic guests, Jean Franzblau, who's been here a couple of times before, and returning guest, Faye Wyatt. Jean is the founder of Cuddle Sanctuary, the Los Angeles destination for touch-positive events and professional cuddling since 2014. As a sex educator, she has presented at conferences around the country and abroad, and she's been featured on BuzzFeed, Good Mythical Morning, which was hysterical, by the way, Rolling Stone, and Dr. Phil. Faye Wyatt is the president and founder of Cuddle Expo and the chief cuddle officer of Cuddle Sanctuary. She has a thriving practice as a professional cuddler and intimacy coach in Los Angeles and has appeared on 60 Second Docs, BuzzFeed, Rolling Stone, and more. Thank you both for joining me. So nice to be here. Yeah, such a pleasure. I'd love to start with a bit about your personal background, because I often ask guests, you know, what did you learn about sex growing up? What did you learn about sexuality, your bodies? We've never really talked about the messages we, we receive about touch. Faye, what did you learn about touch when you were a kid? Wow, I come from a very different background in that I didn't grow up here in the U.S. I grew up in a Chinese family, an immigrant Chinese family in Malaysia, but we are also Mormon. So I had like these interesting, like, it's an interesting intersection of different cultures coming together. And what I learned, I received a lot of um, touch in familial situations, like hugging siblings and parents was great. But when it came to anything outside of that, it felt like it was like very sacred or something that it had to be reserved for like the person you were going to marry. So I actually had the idea that I would only even kiss the person I was engaged to or something, that that, wow. that all of this sort of physical intimacy would either be in the family or with a lover. Interesting. Interesting. Do you relate to any of that, Jean? Well, I was really lucky growing up that I saw my mom and my dad hugging a lot. So my dad is a hugger. And, and so th there was something very special about how they hugged, like... He, they just had this sweet, I think it was a sweet romance. So I would see them in the kitchen cuddling and hugging and her maybe laughing. And that started me off on knowing that cuddling is good and enjoyable and that there's a sweetness there and a love there. So it made me very curious. Sometimes, you guys, he would take a pen and he would draw cartoon characters on her toes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is so adorable. Yeah, he called her Mouse, and he would draw a picture of her, like, with big mouse ears. Aww. Yeah, so there's a there's that. There was also, like, sibling punching going on, like the non-consensual crap of that. One time I was rolled up in a in a cushion, like, so that I couldn't, you know, anyway, so I have sort of a, a bit of claustrophobia because I was, like, rolled up in a, like, a, like a donut into a cushion. Um, but what what I'm really grateful for is that cuddling piece. But I think, like many of us, there wasn't any conversation about sexuality. Budding sexuality, growing sexuality, sexual desire, all of that was not present and yet it was present in everybody's body so it's this big taboo yeah it gets very confusing yeah. for sure Faye did you have a Mormon traditional understanding of sex and sexuality where it was very much about marriage and did you have any sex ed uh, no not any sex ed I my mom did sit down and talk with me about like sort of the beauty of intimacy like emotional intimacy and sexual connections so I think I grew up really lucky in that there was no sexual shaming per se but just like a like a padding around it like it's beautiful but it's so beautiful you only need to have it like in this particular space uh, so this is like a yeah it's like compartmentalized which is yeah. interesting both our sexuality and also when you are allowed to touch versus not yeah and that touch automatically meaning sex right and that touch automatically meaning sex means something to be scared about or frightened yeah. about or worried about Absolutely. And touch for me was like definitely linked to like long term commitment. So only touching people who are your family and touching people who are your, you are like going to be in a committed relationship with forever. So both of you with those upbringings at at some point, you not only realized that you you saw more benefit to platonic touch and having more touch in your lives, but caring so much about it that you help so many other people fulfill those kinds of needs and learn how to teach other people. I'm curious about your own kind of personal epiphanies. I know, Jean, you had a personal experience, a dating experience. Would you speak to that a bit? Yeah. Um, this one experience is like a great analogy for how my thinking was. I really thought the only way to get soothing connection and affection was through sex. And I had a sex drive, and I had lots of curiosity about sex. But I also had just a daily need for connection and being known and seen and heard and liked and all of that. And so those two got conflated. And so I would push sexual situations. First of all, because I learned the message when I was in, like, middle school that being there was like being prude or being slutty and like somehow I didn't want to be one, but I shouldn't be the other. So there's a lot of confusion there. I had my natural curiosity. I really wanted to be good at that thing. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of confusion there. But the, the, the situation I think you're thinking of is, is when I was traveling and feeling quite lonely and disconnected. And I had attached myself to somebody who looked like a straight guy who probably looked like he was single and maybe wanted to be attached to me. I basically hijacked this guy's evening and and pushed and pushed and pushed until it was a sexual situation. And then finally, after it was all over, finally I got to the good part. And I said, let's spoon. Aww. And he said, I'm not, I'm not going to spoon with you. That's something I would do with a girlfriend. You are not a girlfriend. I'm leaving. And it was so painful and so humiliating. And I was I thought it was somehow his fault at the time, but it, it wasn't. Um, if he were to describe his evening, I think he would have said he just didn't know what to do with this woman and then needed to escape the situation. Whereas yeah. I was just so heartbroken and bereft and 
and realized I just couldn't escape the fact that I was going about things in a way that was destructive to me. And how did you start to find healing for that that hurt? Uh, I did a lot of journal writing. And I think journal writing in a way is a bit circular, like I'm just talking to myself, talking to myself, you know what I mean? Totally. But at least I had compassion for my own feelings and hurt, and there was a place for it for me to put it. So at least it didn't live in my body. And and I just happened upon uh, a cuddle event in a photo, and I was like, what is this? Curious about it. The idea that people could connect in such a kind way as adults being platonic with each other reminded me of being a kid when it was safe to just be around other kids holding hands and whatnot. So I think that that journey, you know, that was my circuitous journey that eventually landed me in teaching about platonic touch. What about you, Faye? Was there a specific epiphany or was it a series of, of events and aha moments that led you to where you are? Wow. I, touch was like an invisible to me for all the way up until I began my career as a professional cuddler, which is surprising. Yeah, I came into this work with the idea that I wanted to create safe spaces for people, but it still had more leaning towards conversation, I think. I have a background in psychology, so I was like, oh yeah, professional cuddling, this is a way I can hold people and listen to them talk and then give them hugs. That seemed like, it seemed like an add-on or something in my life. So, and touch was invisible to me because I happen to be lucky and always be surrounded in, by intimate relationships. So I've, I'm one of the lucky ones who has a lover, a partner who is physically affectionate. So I didn't know to talk about this thing because it was just always around me. But when I started out my journey into professional cuddling, I went to a cuddle event, happened to be Cuddle Sanctuary, right? When it had started, something unlocked for me that I realized that there was this barrier for me in my interaction with other people. It was always lacking a layer of intimacy that I had wanted. And I didn't know what that was until I got to experience safe platonic consensual touch with them. And I was like, that's the thing that I'm missing. There is a, a way of connecting with people with our bodies and not Mm -hmm. just our words Mm -hmm. that really breaks through a barrier like it's almost an artificial barrier that we have between us so yeah from that moment I was like whoa our bodies are a big part of our needs and connections I I don't think I really recognized I even had a body at that point you know Mm. yeah I I completely get what you're saying it's interesting that we can have that sort of disconnect with our physical body and then to be against somebody I've been Mm. to a cuddle sanctuary event too and it was so interesting to me, even sitting back to back with someone feels very intimate. Yes. It was really lovely. And there's nothing erotic happening there. It's just two human bodies connecting. You're feeling the warmth. You're feeling breath. Two humans. I'm just like feeling right now all of the work I do all of the time to connect with people with my words, like trying to be authentic and all of that. And it's so simple, just sitting back to back with somebody just being with them. That's the feeling that we're all looking for, I feel like. Yeah. Mm. And it can happen so quickly. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Could you speak to some of the benefits? I know there are many physical, emotional benefits. What's one of the the big physical benefits of cuddling, Jean? One of my favorites is a great night's sleep. So cuddling boosts oxytocin in the body, which some scientists call the hug hormone. And uh, and so deep night sleep. So without the oxytocin boosts, then we're not sleeping as well as we could. Another, which I think is 
so key is it boosts cardiovascular health. It literally decreases heart disease. Whoa. I mean, we could stop right there. Huge. That's the leading cause of death of all genders. Right. So if we can just, like, spread that across America, that you can decrease your risk of this or improve your heart health by getting enough boosts of oxytocin. I just was imagining your cuddle sanctuary flyers should be at the cardiologist's office. Yes, please. I was just actually having a brainstorm about contacting a bunch of... um, not just cardiologists, but also um, psychiatrists. Because, dun, da, 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 um, one of my clients got his first prescription for professional cuddling services. So now he's paying with our services with pre-tax dollars using his health savings account. A prescription written out. Yes. Medical paper. Yes. Messy doctor signature. Yes, please. Exactly. Oxytocin. Exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. And I imagine it could be a really good complementary therapy. Yes. You know, if you're obviously you don't want to stop a treatment you're you're doing that's very needed. But yeah. if you're able to have because I think all conditions, whether they're physical or mental health issues, it's a holistic system that helps you thrive, right? Yes, and a, a lot of um, of doctors will say that it, the the base of all disease is inflammation, and and oxytocin helps chill inflammation. Mm, and inflammation is yeah, it's involved in not only heart disease but yeah. you know joint pain, yeah. headaches, migraines, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Have you two experienced these benefits, like the health? Do you feel like you've been sleeping better? And I noticed that if I haven't had a client for a day, mm-hmm. which means I haven't had this like hour or two of like focused, um, almost like meditative cuddling time, that I am not right. Yeah. <laughs> that that there's like a level of um, stress and tension in my body that. It's, it's almost invisible to me when I don't have it. But when I have it regularly, I notice just how much more at ease I am mm-hmm. in, in my body. Yeah, and for me, I feel it as uh, loneliness, disconnection, or connection and wellness. So if I am working from home, which I think a lot of us do, working from home, some of us, I would say, um, if a day and a half goes by and I haven't had connection, um, then I start getting depressed. It's that quick. And, yeah. and Faye, to your point, I really think that now that we are really sensitized to oxytocin, like we know it in our bones through so much practice over the years, mm-hmm. that we feel it as subtly, whereas other people might not feel it and understand why they're feeling dis-ease. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense you have this heightened mindfulness about it yeah. because it's your profession and something yeah. that's so regularly a part of your lives, but you get the breaks to notice the difference. I read that similar benefits come from being with animals is it touch with a being? It could it be a a cat? You know, it's interesting. I'm reading a book written by our colleague Epiphany, Epiphany Jordan, which is called Somebody Hold Me. Amazing book that yeah. just came out. And what she suggests, she finally gave a definitive answer to that. There are some studies that say if we get eye contact with a dog, that we can get a boost in oxytocin. But what Epiphany said really, really struck me, which is that humans need humans. That there is something about human touch that's going to be different than sleeping with your cat, which is wonderful, or petting your dog, which is also wonderful, or your turtle, or eye contact with your guppy, (laughs) all the things we might do with our creatures. Yeah, yeah. That there's something about our species that's important that we connect with each other. It really strikes me how it's like as a society, we've sort of accepted that it's great to have pets, you know, for therapy, that puppies get brought to campuses when it's time for exams. 
And we so openly talk about touch with other these mammals that are pets. And it's so uncomfortable when we talk about cuddling other humans. It like sort of pushes people's buttons. And I'm, and I'm like, the benefits are so much better when it's another human. Yeah, yeah, but if you went to a college campus, I'm sure some would embrace it. But I imagine a lot of times they're like, you, you want to do what? You want to all <laughs> right. get together and cuddle? Because they're, they're imagining too, again, because so many of us learned that it has to be sexual. Yeah, that's right. That it's risky. Yeah, that's why it's so important when we work with clients, but particularly when we work with groups to teach them about consent and boundaries and what it is and what it isn't and just the basics, like a little class. Yeah, I remember an activity in your group where we said no, like we were supposed to say no. And that was hard for me, even when it was like scripted. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to. There's something about, you know, feeling I don't know if it's obligation, but you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or or just being a hugger and you kind of feel like you want to. But I imagine just that practice alone of making it a choice, what role do you feel that cuddling and this practice can play in empowerment and asking for what, what you need, Faye? Well, this one is like the biggest thing. I think a lot of us don't really recognize the kind of autonomy that we have over our bodies because we're so used to taking care of the people around us. And, um, you know, in our practice, it's really all about making it centered on the other person. Like it's very important to us that when, when folks come to our events or when we're in session with them, that we teach them is this is about you. How many places do you ever get to make it just all about you and just what you want? And the practice of like really focusing in, tuning in and asking ourselves, is this the thing that I want or is this a thing that I'm tolerating so that the other person can feel at ease? Or is this a thing that I'm doing because I imagine this to be helpful? That's very different. Like wanting to be helpful and then wanting to receive pleasure. Those are two very different things that happen within our bodies. So confronting to acknowledge to myself and to another person that I want pleasure and I'm not talking about sexual pleasure. There's so many different pleasures. There's yeah. eating pleasure and caressing pleasure. There's tons of pleasures out there. But if that I want pleasure and that to actually ask for it. I've been doing this work for years. I've been teaching these events for so long. And Faye and I were just talking this week about two examples yeah. of am I challenged in just asking for what I want. It's it's It seems to be my, my life's work, but I am determined to get, good <laughs> get better at it. I, I feel love like that. So much of the work that I do is just like, moving shame blocks out of the way for people because we like people are so afraid of feeling selfish and for me in my book like selfish is a good word Mm -hmm. um to just like hey i want this thing to just be able to say that i I don't i'm still figuring out how to do that in my world you know what's fascinating to your point Faye, is that you know how you know, selfish is a good word, but if you're like lying on somebody and you're cutting off the circulation in their arm, you know, and, and, and now their arm is tingling, then, it's, you know, we want to also be aware that the other person's comfort, right? But I think there's a big chasm or chasm, I'm not sure how to say it, between like hurting another person and this beautiful place where you can actually ask for what they want and they can give it happily, joyfully and generously. That container only yeah. exists, though, when everybody in the world is moving in this autonomous, empowered way. Like, I can ask for what I want freely when I know that the other person has a no. They know how to say no thank you. Exactly. Mm. And they can speak up and they can also voice what they want. 
And so that's the that's the world that I want to live in. And so I'm really committed to client by client. To, yeah, one person by person, event by event, like teaching people how to be more empowered. That's so important. It sounds to me as you're speaking that the no, the ability to have agency is at least as important as the ability to welcome touch or to ask for it, which I think is really important because I've actually, I was speaking to an acquaintance the other day and they were asking about my work and I mentioned the show. So professional cuddlers came up because you're coming in. And this person asked me if, oh, does that mean they just go around cuddling people all the time? Like, if you become a cuddler, then you ha- you are a cuddler, you know? That right. it's like this thing that you're constant, sort of like if you say you're sex positive. As oh, if. you must have sex with everyone yeah. every right. day, all day right. long. Right, that you have no discernment, and all you want to do is do that thing. No, no. Yeah. no. There's discernment, more discernment, I think. So the job that I had to do to do my work well was actually get really clear about my own boundaries. And I think that surprises people. People don't think of boundaries and intimacy as being related. But it like I in order for me to get super close with other people, I had to get really clear about my own comfort level. And like in any given moment, I have to be clear about um, my willingness to engage with someone. And if something comes up for me where I'm not comfortable, I can speak up. And that is a form of intimacy. Like being able to state my boundaries clearly and compassionately is a form of being close. Because mm. it's a way for the other person to know me better. Yeah. And if, if when I describe to you what's a yes and a no for me, that means you have more of a sense of my inner terrain. Yeah. And me tolerating something that I'm kind of uncomfortable with. Um, for the sake of the other person, that's actually an act of inauthenticity. Mm, really good point. Excellent point. And I imagine so many people, I mean, we all have different wants and needs, right? And it's it's okay to not want touch. And it's okay, you know, giving ourselves permission because I imagine so many factors play a role in what your needs are, right? So one is, as you said, if you have a partner who is cuddly and loves touch and all that, then you may not have as much of a need for additional touch. Um, But you may be somebody who has a partner. Jean, in your newsletter recently, there was somebody who wrote in saying Mm -hmm. that they did not get the touch they needed from their partner and were seeking it elsewhere. That's right. And he was, I think he's a bit tortured about it, enough that he's reaching out to a stranger at a cuddle company to say, bless my situation. Tell me this is okay. And instead, it's a a more nuanced situation because I think self-care is important. And I think a human body deserves to have what it needs to be well. So just as a person deserves access to fresh air and food and shelter, we also need access to comforting touch. And so this idea that monogamy, as it's currently defined, means that another person gets to decide whether you are or are not touched is concerning and problematic and one of the reasons that relationships are breaking. That's a really, really important point because one person not only perhaps can't fulfill, I mean, what if somebody is on the autism spectrum and they're very sensitive to touch and their partner wants a lot of touch. Perfect example. Right? There's got to be a way to mm-hmm. to do so respectfully, not to, you know, to, ideally you would talk about it. But but again, it's like a really hard thing to talk about because of all these stigmas and... And religion, religion to, you know, there's all this cultural baggage yeah. that prevents us from being able, prevents many people from being able to have a an honest conversation about need. And also it gets conflated with sex all the time, yeah. right? So it... 
it's like this idea that sex is what you do after you cuddle it makes it so that even just that simple level of touch becomes inaccessible to a lot of folks in, in these relationships because they don't want to go to the part where they're having sex, perhaps. Yeah. Um, that all touch kind of goes off the table. Yeah. And we don't have language to talk about that. Right. So that's why what we're trying to do with this practice is create an entire new language for touch. And it's not a discovery. It's a recovery. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, Epiphany Jordan in her book says it so beautifully. Like, we used to just pile on top of each other as part of, you know, in the caves for, for warmth, for comfort. And it wasn't around related to gender or relationships. It was just what we did. Humans just used to pile on top of each other yeah. like other mammals. Yeah. So we have to remember not necessarily to pile on top of each other because now we have the language of consent to add to it. Yeah. Right. I yeah. feel like we've forgotten to take care of ourselves as mammals yes. in some ways. Yes, it's crazy yeah. to, that the Industrial Revolution eventually creates this world we live in where we're driving around in boxes, living in boxes, <laughs> yep. separated from the village in these little units of just like parents and a child. Yeah. That's cray-cray. Like right. that's not how we were built. Yeah. But over time we just built this with using our dumb brains, I guess, <laughs> we've built ourselves into craziness so that yeah. our ham- mammal bodies aren't being cared for. Yeah. Ha- yeah. Unhappiness results. It's so funny when you think of it that way. It's crazy. It, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Absolutely. So could we talk about some practical tips? People who would like to become better cuddlers, whether they're in a relationship or not. What's Faye, what's one of your favorite tips? Oh, one of my favorite tips for becoming a better cuddler is to really feel your body. I think a lot of the time when we think about cuddling, we're talking about doing. We have this idea that cuddling is a thing that you do. And I like to make it a thing that you feel. So my number one tip when it comes to like holding another person or caressing them is take in the other person. Like our skin is so sensitive and has so many receptors in it. So you're like really feel the other person. Like take Mm. in the texture, the temperature, the... um, Notice the sensations that are happening within your body, um, your breath. That just makes for the yummiest cuddle ever. The obstacle, this Mm -hmm. is such a fascinating thing for all of us to think about. The fear is if we become embodied, sensually aware where we're smelling, feeling everything, that we will become aroused. I got a little aroused while you were saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Because there there is a, this is a wonderful, it's wonderful to be aroused and there's a whole field of sensual enjoyment. And it's great for everyone to have the vocabulary in our bodies to be able to take energy and make it erotic if that's what's appropriate or bring it back to the heart if that's where it belongs. So we can play with this and it is very possible to spend an hour with somebody in that beautiful presence that Faye is describing without it becoming erotic. Because mm, you takes have a practice. choice. It takes practice. Yes. Yeah. And I think we have learned that and we're taught that you don't have control. You know, especially mm-hmm. we talk about men in this way. Yes. This message that men have no control over their desires, which hurts everybody, of course. It does. It reminds me of like, the, I would say, a stark example is what happens in um, very religious Muslim countries where the idea of a woman riding on a bike just trying to get from point A to point B or simply to exercise is too arousing for the people who see her. And I think that's deeply insulting to men that they're almost they're like calling it on themselves that they can't reorganize their thinking. Mm. It's yeah. And, and the fact that that if you're too arousing, then you need to be shut away 
is so damaging yeah, to everybody. Absolutely. I think also it comes from this idea that sca- uh, sex sex is so scarce that it, that we have this idea that if there's an an opportunity for like erotic anything that we have to go there. I feel like there's like sort of cultural messaging that that is the ideal thing that is the most treasured thing is, is sexuality. So as soon as those feelings of arousal sort of percolate, it's we go in one direction. We like go up the escalator into like hot and heavy or something. And then there's a real pleasure in just like holding back and just staying right there with it. Yeah. And I feel like so many of us are missing the yummy quality of that. That's it. I love that you describe that as yummy. It does. It sounds really powerful and profound to have that experience and to know that about yourself, that you can and that that it doesn't have to be this feast or famine, you know, black and white. We tend to think in terms of putting people in boxes and you're this way or that way. But actually, there's all this nuance. Yeah, I think what's complex about this idea of scarcity is that the reason there is a feeling of scarcity is because there is scarcity for many people, Mm -hmm. that they don't have access to the healthy sexual lives that they need. So I just I want to sort of plant that seed. It does create more complexity in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But there are so many obstacles to people to simply getting their sex needs met that it, it would make sense that if like of you're course. desperate for the thing, it's like your drink, the tall glass of water yeah. is right there. Completely, especially if you learn that masturbation is a sin. So many people learned that that's not good. I totally learned that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. And so it's it's interesting and we might let ourselves, if we're with a person and we're feeling something, we can go with that because finally we can express that part of ourselves and have those needs met. I am um, still guilty of this in some ways, where I have this um, thinking that sex is more advanced than platonic connection or something like that. Like that's the more advanced version or that is like there's like, a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in some way. And that is completely wrong. Um, they're just different. Mm-hmm. And there's no one that's more advanced than the other. There's The advanced cuddle isn't, you know, the sexual one. That's like people think. But, you know, I would say, though, that learning the skills like that we learned with Betty Martin and the Wheel of Consent, bettymartin.org, fantastic material there, yeah. um, is this idea of, well, it would be good to practice simple stuff before you get to the more c- complex stuff. But for, Does that make sense? Th- th- that's the thing is that I think what a lot of people miss is that sometimes staying in that platonic place of connection is actually what is more challenging. Mm, And and we miss sometimes that what we're wanting from sexuality is intimacy. Like there's a nakedness or release or safety or something that we're wanting from that. It's like sexuality meets our core needs in many ways. And we miss the fact that we can get those needs met in this platonic place of being present. Now I feel like I'm getting your point. There are many times as a teenager, like late teens, early 20s, I would force into sex because I'm like, okay, I'm being successful. I'm sure that person really likes what I'm doing because I didn't know how to handle the moments in between. Mm. I was so socially awkward. So I was using sex Mm. to get past that when it would have been really nice if I had an intimacy teacher like you to help me to sit with it all. I had so much stuff going on in there, yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love I I'm going to to think about my own belief system because I don't know if I've thought there is sort of this. I think that's a natural default we go into because of the cultural messaging that there is this hierarchy that it's it's much better. You know, it's much deeper. It's much more important. Right. Where where human touch is is on its own, this beautiful thing. And that also can enhance, if you're somebody who wants to be in an intimate relationship with someone, um, is able to, then it can bring all these additional benefits 
how can cuddling or honing your skills make you a better lover, Jean? Ooh, I like that. Well, certainly paying attention. So by paying attention to how I'm feeling and paying attention to what I'm doing and how it's impacting the other, and frankly, I use my words. So whether I'm cuddling with a client, is this okay? Should we try something else? If I'm in the service role of a professional, is what I might say. And with a partner, what I'm noticing with a partner, you know, when I'm paying attention to my own needs, and I might say something brave like, this stopped working for me. The other person's like, oh, my God, so didn't for me, too. You know what I mean? So when, yeah. I've never been disconnected from another person while the other person feeling it. Interesting. In the past, I would pretend I was still connected, and we're both— And nobody's, then you're both pretending. Nobody's having fun. Oh. And so um, speaking, speaking, asking, checking in, wonderful skills for both mm. cuddling and Where do you sex. start with that? I feel like that's a scary thing for a lot of people is just to—if they've never voiced that, if they've never voiced a, a want or a need or a request, especially if it's— this isn't working for me. Right. One idea is using a 1 to 10 scale. And you can prefer to use it outside of the more heightened, maybe risky questions. It could simply be about, what do we want for dinner? Between 1 and 10, how badly do you want to go out to dinner? And how more do you want to stay in? And then you really get a sense like, oh, my partner really doesn't care either way, but I really want to go out. Now we know that it's going to bring me so much joy and they're perfectly happy versus all this junk in my head about what they're wanting. So a 1 to 10 scale can also be used around touch. One of the things that I um, teach my clients to do is to start noticing when the discomfort comes up for them. So I invite my clients to always let me know when you know something needs to be adjusted so I check in with them when they finally speak up and say hey let's move on to another position I check in with them how long did it take between the time that you started to notice that you mm, something wasn't working for you to the point where you speak up and sometimes that can take you know a long time that that thought just sits in my head and I just like uh can I say it I don't know I think I'm okay here and notice if the length of time can get shorter and shorter for you before you say I'm ready for a switch. You don't have to give the reason. Just like, I'm ready to change. And then maybe later you can voice why. I could see that being such a helpful skill to carry on the rest of your life Mm -hmm. in the boardroom, at Mm -hmm. the grocery store. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, just really being able to, to notice, as you were saying earlier, not feeling like you didn't even feel a connection to your, your body. I feel like that also ties into our own needs and discomforts. Like, do we even notice them? I think that particularly like in the boardroom, in business meetings, in things outside of touch, um, typically when I'm feeling something strongly, something needs to be said. But so I, I just check in with myself. What are, you know, I do a risk assessment. What will it be like if I say the thing? And sometimes it's the bold thing and I'm the, the voice in the wilderness saying the truth. You know, and sometimes there's consequences, and but it makes me a prouder person. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Could one of you walk us through a typical cuddling session for someone who's never experienced it? Once you, I'm sure it's individual, and you each have your own style. But is there a sort of format you follow? Would you do the anatomy yeah, of a cuddle we call session? It the anatomy of a cuddle session. It's mm-hmm. um, it starts with a warm welcome, like offering a hug and. You know, having time to just, like, get settled in the space, 
Well, we give our clients time to change and a place you know, to get, put their stuff. Yeah, put, put their, their shoes off, pajama pants on, or something. <laughs> and um, and then we start with with like a an opening ritual, which can be you know consent check in, like basically setting agreements about you know what's okay with you while we're in session together and what's not okay. And I, I often tell to clients, you know, you're welcome to touch me anywhere outside of the bikini areas or sometimes that's obvious sometimes that's not so I can get explicit about that and then um and I I really ask them to promise me that they'll speak up in the session that helps establish this like environment of safety around the touch that's going to happen with one another and then the first thing I do in the opening ritual is to get them connected to their bodies so I think that's like key I'm a big fan of breathing with them breathing guiding them through being present yeah, helping them sort of track sensations that are going on in their body. So I don't actually trust, um, I don't feel safe cuddling with someone if they don't have access to their bodies because at any time I could be doing something that's uncomfortable for them and they don't know until later maybe. so. How do you know if they aren't? I can only guess. <laughs> yeah, so, it's like an intuitive kind of how they're responding. It could be a stiffness in the body yeah. and incapacity okay. to relax. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that's a good I, I would tip? say that. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so what I do is I, I teach them to feel, to sense. Um, and I do that at the beginning. We do that through the opening ritual. And then, you know, a session really looks differently depending on who comes. We have, like, versions where we're doing this beautiful treatment of kind of like a massage. We take them through a series of different poses and positions that evoke different types of emotions and sensations for them. So like a combination of holding and being held. And and they have different emotions for different people. Yeah. Or are there certain ones that you're like, this is the happy pose? Well, <laughs> it's like, so there's a pose that's my favorite. It's called the hug boat where the client puts their head on my chest and they can hear my heartbeat and they've got their arms wrapped around my my waist and I will like hold them and wrap my legs around them too and that's like it gives a feeling of being wrapped around and it's like young it brings up this young emotions Mm -hmm. when you're being held there so I think that's particularly sweet and it's very different for example for a position where they're sitting up and like holding us from behind and giving a hug that feels more protective they'll feel in the more protective mode if that's what they're craving yeah So, so Faye, we just transitioned from the, you know, the opening ritual to the cuddle itself. Yeah, yeah. from the check-in to check-in to the cuddle itself, which is depends on the client's needs. The and client, it's how long, or it depends. Typically, sixty minutes. Yes, but ninety minutes seen. is my sweet spot. So, mm-hmm. And lots of professional cuddlers do much longer sessions, like five-hour sessions. Do people fall like asleep? That. Yeah. Uh, yes, and and um, one thing to ask for is if you want your professional cuddler to wake you, or if falling asleep is what's wanted. Oh, it's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. Then it transitions to a closing ritual, something that the client ideally will know about ten minutes before the session is done, so they can emotionally prepare for a transition, make sure they're getting their favorite cuddle positions in, and maybe do something that sort of helps close it, whether it's a conversation or something like a gesture or some kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure people seek out these kinds of services for all different reasons, right? Different yeah. scenarios. What are some of the themes that you see? Or do they tell you, I'm inspired to work with you because blank? Yeah, I would say most of our clients coming to see us have challenges or some barriers in their life to intimacy. One common theme, um, we see a lot of clients who have um, his, historical um, attachment 
issues, I would say. Like they've had really troubled childhoods. They're victims of trauma and it gets in the way of their intimate relationships in their life. And so they come to get those needs met, but also to like experience a place of safety in relationship that they're able to take those skills out into the world. And, and where it looks for me and my clients would be somebody who has a professional life and yet their home life is very, very um, isolated. And so they're knowing that they're needing connection. So a lot of folks who are single and are having a hard time or feeling hopeless around connecting. Mm-hmm. Do you do like breakup gift cards? Because I was just thinking how sweet mm-hmm. that would be to give someone if they if you knew that they were open to it or wanted something like that? What we found over time, especially around Valentine's Day holidays, we would sort of create little adorable gift things to give, is professional cuddling actually is not an ideal gift to give. It's so personal. Mm. And currently, some people have some shame around it, so it's a very personal decision to go, so at least currently. So it's a self-care, yeah. healing treatment in many ways mm-hmm. yeah you, you 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 give it to yourself that's typically how it works the that's person beautiful. needs the open mind they need the courage so all of that needs to be in place I imagine a world in which one day it can be as common as going to get a massage that's what I want yeah well I think you two are making it happen and I know you also offer wonderful classes online for people who don't have access to maybe they don't live anywhere near yeah, you we have um, we have a, um, a series of emails that if a person wants to get more affection into their day and day-to-day life they you can just go to cuddlesanctuary.com and get those lessons and be part of our community. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Would you each share what your favorite part of the job is, Faye? What do you love most about being a cuddler? I love that I get to be with people when they're the most real. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I really get to see humanity in front of me in two ways. Um, one of the things that I see a lot is people come with their deepest pain when they come to session, and they're really vulnerable, and I, I need that to feel um, my humanness in the world. So I love when they come with their pain and their vulnerability and their stories about who they are, but also in the moments of like bliss. I think we're the most real when we're just so ecstatically comfortable and happy and relaxed. So I feel like I get to see the whole range of human experience in sessions with people, and that's just so rewarding. Really special and unique. Yeah. 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 For me, one thing that's feeling really important right now is I feel like our world is in so many places needing healing. And this area, there's so much opportunity for, for, for betterment. There's so many more people who could use more connection and affection and, and feeling seen and heard and, and felt. And so the fact that I can be engaged in something that really has such lungs, like such need, makes me feel like I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. It's very mm-hmm. satisfying. That's really lovely. I'm really inspired by both of you, both as entrepreneurs who are fulfilling a need that I think is under-addressed and really having an impact in people's lives. So thank you for being here. Thank Thank you for having us. And lastly, I would love, because I just want to get as much out of our time together as we can. You have so much brilliance to share. Would you share a tip for anyone listening who wants to apply something in their daily lives based on the work that you do? One idea is that if you if you typically get together with friends for coffee or tea or the movies or something like that, 
is you know if, if it's a platonic friend to see if they'd be in talk if they'd be open to a conversation about oxytocin and the benefits of it to see if simply sitting next to each other or holding hands at the movie holding hands while sipping your coffee can actually get you that boost of oxytocin you're not spending any different amount of time to get it it's just making a subtle shift in the relationship so that you can get your needs for touch met and platonically mm, i like that i like that or simply asking for a hug yeah maybe more than you would Sure. Of some, and, and if they aren't um, comfortable with one particular thing, like yeah. m- maybe there's, you could ask them. Sitting back to back. Yeah. We talked about that. I love that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It's such a relaxing, soothing practice. Thank you for that. And Faye? My tip is for anybody that's bold enough to do this, to set a container, like maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour of cuddling, either with your lover or with your friend, and explicitly state that this is going to be non-sexual for this amount of time. That's like that that container allows you to explore in a safe way what it's like to connect with another person without sex in the picture. And of course you can do that later. Right. To, right. Like, like yeah, set aside a container because it doesn't happen unless we're explicit about it. Oh, I like so, that. Yeah. So reach out to a friend or or say to your partner, Hey, I'm really interested in exploring this thing. Would you be open to like having a cuddle session? It's going to be non-sexual. We're going to like not have anything erotic happen, but like we can cuddle and spoon and maybe play with each other's hair or something like that. That's really sweet. I like that a lot. And even within a couple, I feel like taking sex off the table is so deeply intimate and freeing because you're not even like wondering, is this going to go that way? It's been a source of anxiety with me and my boyfriend is sometimes we're both not wanting sex or one or the other isn't. So if we're cuddling, it's just to talk about it and be able to say, I need this to be a non-sexual space. so moving for me. Mm. So moving to be able to ask for that, but also to be asked. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Remind us again where people can learn more about you. I know you're also on social media. That's right. Twitter, Cuddle Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Facebook, Cuddle Sanctuary. Instagram, Cuddle Sanctuary. (laughs) CuddleSanctuary.com. Yeah. Yay. Thank you again for being here. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you haven't, and leave us a simple review and rating. You can also listen along on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin with technical producer and audio extraordinaire Mackenzie Mazzell as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.